This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. for us to be here to actually give you your Wednesday voting. As you can see, it's myself, Kevin, 
Colin and Paul, and we're just waiting on Brian appearing. Um, it should be oh. quite. Oh, is that is that him appearing now? Um, oh, there there he is. There, there's Brian there. So, uh, are you going to disappear now, Paul, or are you just going to hang about? I know where I'm not wanted. I'm just fixing the look of this thing. I'm fixing the look of it because you've you, you've obviously brought your gremlins with you today, mate. Look at that. Oh, I mean, I mean, Kevin, this is one way of talk, talking yourself around a technical issue. The other one's just to pretend it never happened, like I did on Friday. <laughs> um, as you can see over my shoulder, the picture of Henrik has fallen. Anyone Scottish football. Seen? Scottish football has a habit of pretending things don't happen, Colin. And with that, I'm going to leave you. Welcome to the show, Brian Degnan. Uh, Kevin will be hosting. Colin and Brian will be chipping in. Enjoy the next hour. Uh, yes, we did announce that it was going to be quarter to one, but I managed to fix the technical glitch, and I'll pass you over to the professional. I don't know where the professionals are. I'm waiting for professionals to come in. We are standing at a minute. <laughs> Colin, you need to answer that. You need to ask answer the question that we're all answer, uh, that we're all wanting answered. How is Henrik after he fell off your ball? Uh, he's uh, he's in a bit of a, a package job at the minute. We're, we're getting him back together. He's he's right here. Oh. Uh, the, the man himself. It is. It is a sad day. I've still not got round to reframing him. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it was on the state of Scottish football on Friday night, about a minute and a half in, uh, when the picture of Henrik, which usually hangs behind me, um, fell to the ground. Ironically, though, that fell, that fell to the ground, and then Kyogo joins in in the party on uh, Sunday with a Larson celebration. It's a sign. I need to get a Kyogo picture behind me now. That's a, That's the future. Well, well, I've noticed on social media there's quite a lot of the, the, these guys who produced who produced t-shirts and prints, which I wear quite a lot of the t-shirts. Um, I'm actually now getting the Kyogo t-shirts on the go, uh, and they all look very, very smart. Now, I think the biggest story today, the story to start off with, is um, Gordon Stratton returning to Celtic. Uh, now, he's obviously done... The Tam Fistil game trick that he's mooched about Navid short for that long that Navid has to give him a job, uh, which is going to the cash and carry. So Gordon Stratting was mooching about Celtic Park all last season doing the telly, and we've eventually decided to give him a job for three months to do an audit basically on the, the academy, on the women's team, I think it is, and, mm-hmm. and the B team. On the face of it, I've actually got no problem with this whatsoever because I would rather a football person do it than an accountant that make these sort of decisions. Whether Gordon Stratton is the right person for that, I don't know. You're talking about a Scottish manager who says Scotland would never be successful because we're all midgets and we don't breed athletic players. So what he's going to say about our uh, youth academy set up under Chris McCart that's going to be that's going to be fun, Brian. What's your thoughts of Gordon Stratton returning to the fold? So I've got to be honest. I was. Uh, I think it's a good idea. I think um, if you look at it, um, it's also the, the three months that a consultancy role he's doing, as you say, basically an audit. And I think what that will do is, if you combine that with what Angie said um, in the press conference, basically that after this transfer window, then he's going to put more effort into the restructure. Um, so that kind of allows, if, if Strachan's done an audit, he's going to recommend some stuff to them. We'll just take something off their plate. You know, so he's, 
I think the way Anne seems to approach it is get the players in first, get the squad sort of ready, then look at the background structure, and then and then finally look at the reports that, that Strachan has gave and his own sort of view on it and try and come up with something. So I, I kind of see a downside to it, if I'm honest. Like, I saw, I mean, people were furious at first last night. There was a lot of, there was a, even a lot of division in the ranks of Axon because I think people were instantly quite annoyed and thought this was a, a throwback to, a, a, you know, a, the old Pals Act. But if he was going as director of football for three years, I would get that. But, I mean, he's still full-time at Dundee. He's, he's still employed. He's just doing this as a, a bit of side work. He might not even be a parkhead that much. You know, he'd be doing a sort of external role. So it's one of those ones where I almost feel like Celtic could have done it and not told anybody. The uh, wiser, really. So I think that they've came out and that combined with Angie's sort of take on what he's going to do with the backroom team is to sort of, it's no the, the roadmap we wanted maybe or the way we didn't want it laid out that way but at least they're communicating something for once and they say I'm looking forward to coming back and just quickly just don't touch on the the point about the Scotland's full of midgets I, as said midget if I really to say that <laughs> I, 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 I didn't agree with his point but if you look at that through what he's going to give to the academy it might be saying he needs the players super fit try and get them as physically I think his point was that they need to be as physically athletic as possible to succeed in the modern game especially like if you're English yeah. Premier League Spanish League etc I think that was the point he was trying to make in a very bad way and if he instills that sort of attitude that our players coming through and gets that sort of nutrition that sort of super because what you can't deny about when uh, he was in charge was how fit his teams were we were excellent the conditioning was top draw if he can encourage that and, and these players or certainly encourage us to encourage that no thanks a bad thing I mean, you're, you're talking about Gordon Stratton played to his 39 40 I think as well so, yeah. so he was an extremely he was an extremely fit athletic man mm-hmm. uh, and he still he still looks okay for his age now uh, you can still tell that he takes care of himself Barca boy given the scope of the role I think it's a good approach for three months there was a there was a the usual nuclear reaction, Colin, on mm. social media when the story broke via a newspaper that we won't mention once again. and But Celtic were very quick to come out and give you a clear definition of what his role was going to be. That was needed, eh? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, when you look at it, it's always been said that Dom, in fact, Dom said it himself, he's not a football guy. He's not someone that understands the kind of inner sanctions of football. What he's done and what he said he would do is bring in football men um, to kind of help him as part of the restructuring, as a part of the modernisation, the part of the, the whole rebuild. Now, what I like about this is there's not one mention of the first team in that statement. It's, it was very, very clear from that that there wasn't, there was no way that he was having any potential influence on the first team. He was in to look at the the sort of the youth academy setup. He was in to look at the way that we structure the B team, the women's team, etc. That means that it's another show of faith in Postecoglou that he's been given full control to do what he wants with the first team. And it means that he can concentrate on that. He's not going to worry about what the B team's result are at the weekend, who he's going to bring in. He's letting someone else come in to do that for him, which is good because the rebuild that we've got at the minute, and especially after last night's results, 
this makes this season even more important because you're looking at getting a guaranteed route into the Champions League group stage, a guaranteed route to that money. If we go and invest now and actually lay down the foundations, we could get back to that period of domination that we've just had over the last nine years. We thought it could take a couple of years to get there. But if we keep going in the right path, we could get there a lot sooner than we think. And, I mean, there's a lot of people come in saying, well, what's Strachan done? Has he looked at the academies of Sevilla? Has he looked at the academies of X, Y and Z? He doesn't need to because it's not him that's going to be doing it. He's just there to say, well, look, I know this guy that works at X, Y and Z. He might be a good one to bring in. That's the kind of job that he's doing. As I said, he's only doing it for three months along with his job at Dundee. So we'll see what happens after three months. But we said Rome's not going to be built in a day. This is just the first step to where we want to get to. See, see, when you put it that way, Colin, it just seemed like an unnecessary like, party over something It seems so small. As Brian rightly says, he could have been doing this in the background and nobody would have been any the wiser. So, so the announcement just seems to be, it, it just seems to be polishing something that's just a guy coming in to have a look of where the club needs to be, where the club needs to be improved. Yeah. Les comes in and says, Gordon in an advisory role for three months could be helpful and won't have any influence on Angie's modernisation plans. Again, the club's statement was extremely clear. This is what he's going to be looking at. For me, I want him to try and come up with an idea. How did the players from the B team get into the A team? There has to be a development plan there and there hasn't been a development plan for these these players for years and years. I mean, I watched the highlights of the game from Bonus United and mm-hmm. Leo Helge playing in that B team, playing in the Lowland League after being at loan at Ross County last season, for me, just doesn't seem right. Is, is that going to be good for Leo Helge's uh, progression, Brian? Drop him down to the Lowland League? I think what it will give, maybe not for him personally, I think what it gives the players in those divisions, um, the Celtic players, is you know that physicality, that competitiveness. You know, going up against these, these, these proper guys that are playing football that are, that are going to be, you know, hard guys playing against them. So I think it strengthens them. Hales doesn't look as if he needs that. I mean, I know he's only 17, but he's, he's a big, strong boy. He's got a lot of presence and I don't see that he needs that, given the fact that he's lost County. I, th- I mean, I could be wrong because I think there's a bit of confusion about this, but it doesn't mean he's in there for the season, does it? Yeah, so the way it works out, if he plays five games then he has to stay there until the chan- the January transfer window opens. Then right. he could make the move back up to the first team. So there's still potential for him to come back in or be sold, apparently Leeds are still looking at him. So again, I think development in general is a good move for the younger players. I just don't know if he needs it, as I would say. And just touching on your point about Ange having full control, one of the things that we spoke about, what everyone spoke about, was how Eddie Howe was given sort of carte blanche to bring in his own, his own men, his, his own director of football, he's on this, he's on that. And I just came in and we've kind of said, oh, he's not getting that. But I don't think that's accurate, actually. Upon reflection, I feel like he probably is getting that decision. It's just that he's not got the play, people in place, whereas how he had four or five guys lined up he wanted to do it. I think I'm just getting the same sort of freedom to pick who he wants where. He's just not started doing it yet. So, um, again, it's a wee bit, a wee bit cloak and dagger, but possibly in... Just as well, when you talk about the striking story coming out, it could be the case that they've released it because it was leaked. 
and so that people didn't have that nuclear reaction to mm-hmm. the story. They actually just couldn't clarify it right away because they were also very clear to point out how good a job Chris McCart's been doing. So, so mm-hmm. actually, I, th- I, th- I, th- I suspect that's probably why because I think if it hadn't been leaked, you probably wouldn't have known either either way. There is the one elephant in the room that does need addressed, though, and that is the fact that on the the media conference with both Ange and Dom, they came out and said that Gordon Strachan wasn't in the role or in the running to be involved at Celtic. Now, you can look at it depending on how, or the words that they said, sorry. When he was asked the question, he was asked the question on the role of director of football, and he said no. Is that not... I mean, that probably should clarify it. I think Dom has just been very clever in what he said. He was asked the question and he responded no, because Strachan isn't in as a director of football. So (laughs) that sort of addresses it. But does it also put it out to Celtic fans that maybe you can't, or maybe they're getting to the stage where they're going, well, actually, you said they wouldn't join. And when you, as you said, you've got to clarify what's been said. Otherwise, people will say, well, he said no, and then here he is. I think that does have to be clarified as the fact that he isn't a director of football. And I think that's why they came out with that statement yesterday. I think this director of football has become some sort of mythical unicorn. Uh, that we were prom- that we were promised a myth- we were promised a director of football where if you actually go back through what the club have says they've never promised a director of football at any point they've just says they're going to look to modernise and we all just presumed that a director of football was going to, going to be part of that restructuring uh, glorious glorious Patrick comes in on Periscope it's a lazy lazy appointment. And Stevie Boy says, just thinks of nepotism. Thought we were going forwards, that's a backward step. When you see comments like that, and these two guys are quite right to have that opinion, um, it shows you how fine a line the club is treading at the moment between the relations between the supporters and, and the actual club. Last season has they been swept away with a decent performance on Sunday and a decent performance last week. We're still teetering on a knife edge. And you look at it last Thursday or whenever it was that Celtic decided that they, that they were going to charge for tomorrow night's game, charge season ticket holders for tomorrow night's game. And the reaction that they got from that. Um, now, you've got guys like myself who... Have now says that they're not going to give Celtic a further penny above their season ticket money. So I'm not going tomorrow night, I'm not going on Sunday, they're not getting any more money out of me apart from my season ticket. I just think it was a, a terrible decision. There, there's a quote by Bill Shanklin, and that came to my mind when he when says that they were going to charge for, for this game tomorrow night. And Bill Shankly says that if you can't support us when you're losing, don't support us when we're winning. And I think the Celtic board need to paraphrase this. And they should actually put in the Celtic Superstore. If you can't support us with your money, then they support us at all. Because that, that's that's the way I actually feel at the moment. And it feels like it's sort of like it's like Stockholm syndrome, ain't it? You, you're being held captive, but you just keep on going back and back because you think that the, the people who are holding you captive are doing the right thing. The other thing I would probably say, it's like, how many times can you go back to a dog that keeps on biting you to try to clap it? And that's where I'm with the, that's where I'm with the Celtic board just now. Um, 
Gordon Stratton appointment doesn't annoy me. I was actually made annoyed that they wanted that the Hove charge season tickets, season ticket holders for tomorrow's night's game. But I'm the one that looks stupid because it's a fifty-eight thousand sellout. They're no bother. They're sitting before and eating their smoked salmon sandwiches at the precise moment in time, going, "We made the right decision." Well, what's your thoughts about the whole this fine line, Colin? Uh, look, it's a difficult one. I think at the moment there's two things going on. I think fans are letting their their hearts rule, um, and that's why you see we've got the sellout tomorrow night. We've got the um, probably a, a fairly decent crowd that will turn up on Sunday. Um, fans are definitely spending the money in the superstore. You see the kits everywhere at the moment. So there's a bit of that, but there's also a bit of giving the new regime the benefit of the doubt uh, and that will probably only go on for a certain period of time um, as long as there's success on the park a lot of these things seem to get sort of brushed over as they had done over the last nine years um, performances like that on Sunday if that continues then fans will be looking at it in a positive light um, and it's only when something terrible happens like last season that a lot of this kind of gets brought to the forefront so there's obviously people like yourself, Kevin, and I've, I've seen a couple of others in the comments who uh, they've got their, their kind of their views on it, and it, you're allowed to have your views on it. I'm not saying whether you're right or wrong. You've you've got your principles, no, and no. that's that's what you've stuck by. What I don't like is I don't like people who are saying uh, like having having a go at people for having principles like that. That's that's not going to get us anywhere. At the end of the day, you're going to have fifty thousand, fifty-eight thousand on Thursday night. It's going to be. It's going to be a momentous occasion. Um, actually, seeing the stadium as close to full out, it, as close to full as it can possibly be. Um, the, the first you'll never walk alone in the minutes applause is going to be very, very emotional for a lot of people. Everybody will think back to to those who aren't going to be with them or those that we've lost um, in that time that we've been away from the ground. So, I'm looking forward to it on Thursday night. But as you said there was probably a better way for Celtic to kind of go about it, especially with those that never get drawn out the ballots. You take a look at what St Johnston are doing, um, and I know it's a, a complete different financial landscape, but St Johnston allowing their season ticket holders in is what it would be to letting Celtics in. There's just another, there's probably a better way of doing it, but look, you're going to have your views either way. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Just There's no point in falling out over it. I'm not going to question anybody how they want to support the club. I'm not going to question anybody on how they want to fan. And Roddy McDonald comes in here. Is £19 too much? Uh, my, my problem is not with how much that they're actually charging. And Roddy's quite right to say he's comfortable. If the money is spent on players, then I'm OK. Well, that that's fine, but it's not the, it's not the principles. Colin, you've rightly pointed out there were some supporters actually never got into any of the ballot games and now mm-hmm. they're being asked to pay £19 for tomorrow night. Uh, and I just found that wrong. I was lucky enough to get into two games. I was lucky enough to get into West Ham and Dundee. Yeah. I, I, and I understand that Dundee was fantastic. Dundee was a great day and there was really a bond between... There, there was really a bond between the fans and the players. There wasn't mm-hmm. too much towards the, the, those sitting in the director's box, but there was a bond between the fans and the players. And it's just, when I look at it, I'm just going, why can you do this? Jim, on a Friday, and Jim's been involved in the the, the, the Save Ourselves campaign and, and stuff like that. And he always says that, that 
who do you want to sack and why do you want to sack them? And I often wondered what he was actually talking about then. And over the last week when I've been thinking about this, I says, I understand what Jim means now when he says, well, I've put up, I've put up stuff on Twitter like back the team, sack the board. And I'm going, well, who do, why, who do I really want to sack and what's my reason for sacking them? And I went, well, maybe I didn't want to sack the people there, but I just want them to change their values. I want them to change their values. Their values are still off the Peter Wall ghost, which is in the room, which is money is king, money means everything. And until that changes, I'm always going to I'm always going to have an uneasy relationship with them. Brian, what's your view? Yeah, I, I see the, the, the point. It's always one of the, the way I kind of look at things is Celtic, the team, the players, what it means to us as fans, it's almost one entity. And then you've got the real corporate sort of boardroom level, which is another. And they're the sort of cynical business people who don't tie in with the first part. But my love for the first part so much that the common seed kind of becomes overlooked at times. It's, it's one of those ones where I think we talk about a new regime, but really it's just all came in. Not much else has changed yet in terms of the corporate structure side yet. So maybe a, a year or so before we see changing, we have to hope that it gets to the point where things like this, like I don't really agree with them charging the, the, the season sick holders for the, the game. I think that's a poor decision. I think that um, on a sort of moral standpoint, I think it's a bit of a slap in the face. However, in a business decision, a full stadium. So if you're looking at it from a purely numbers perspective, I see why they did it. It's just not what I would have done. So I kind of, I can I see both points of view. Like I would never begrudge anyone going to see the Celtic because I'm, I'm devastated. I can't get the chance. I've stayed too far away now that I can't get back. Very often I certainly can't get back for, for tomorrow night. But I would give my right arm to, to be there and, and listen to never walk alone in a full stadium. So I totally understand why people are buying tickets and I would never begrudge them. Similarly, I can understand why guys like yourself and a lot of people um, are taking a kind of principled stance. Um, the reality is, it's what I always kind of ramble on about in a very sort of good vibes kind of way is the fact that it's the love for Celtic so strong that there's two ways of supporting the club and neither's wrong for doing it. It just depends what side of the fence you fall on, but either way, you've got to remember, as Colin said, they put them falling out. Just no, enjoy no. back at Park Head and enjoy the back at Celtic. And, and we have to face the reality that, you know, I think. Kev, you know, I've got very similar attitudes of how we think Celtic should be as a club and an institution. But the reality is, it, it is run as a business. And, you know, you're going to have to take the good and the bad with that, I think. There is, for me, um, football fans now have to deal with and live with modern football. But I actually hate modern football <laughs> in, in quite an equal measure. But I do realise that I'm going to need to engage with it because that is the way of the world. Uh, but I don't like certain engaging in certain ways. And tomorrow night and Sunday and any other game they want to charge me for on top of my season, but this season is not what I'm willing to do. I'm not willing to engage with that. I just think after a, a year, a pandemic year, they haven't shown any goodwill to the Celtic fans whatsoever. And Kevin Mack comes in, I'll bring in the new column, wage bill new players, you need bums on seats. That's fine, Kevin. I'm not there. But as new to this now makes a perfect point, somebody else has took my seat. Somebody mm -hmm. else has paid the £19 and took my seat. Yeah. But 
I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable going to be sitting scratching around his goal, trying to get a stream the more I make to watch. That's that, that's my decision, and I am and I am comfortable with that decision. And I will be emotional if I get a dodgy stream. I will be emotional like watching. You'll never walk alone as that as well because I'm still a supporter. I'm still a fan. I've still got that emotional attachment. I'm just not going to keep on going back to a dog that wants to bite me all the time. Now that's that, that, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just fed up here. I'm just really really fed up here. They don't they, they don't hold the values of a uh, Walford the Walford the brother Walford who started us. They do not hold those values, and I find I just find it uneasy now. Colin, what are you going to say? Sorry before I've no, I, I was just going to say that it's now at the point where I mean a bit like um, a state of mind to as producer Paul just brings us up, we are kind of moving with the times as well. We're now live streaming on Twitch um, as well as Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. If you're on YouTube again, subscribe. Um, as always, leave a thumbs up on the video. It really helps. But we are sort of modernising as a club and what I was actually kind of slightly happier to see is that we didn't go to the sort of levels I've seen us go for qualifiers before. I remember um, when you look back on it, I think for games like, um, I'm trying to think back to inclusion, that the last kind of ones that we went to, you were talking sort of £30 for a ticket for those qualifiers. And I was sort of expecting that that was going to be the, the case as well. Um, but like £19, it's, it's not the best compromise, but it's at least a, a kind of level that they're saying, look, we're not going to fully rip the, the Michael out of here. Do you know what I mean? So, look, the, the positive aspect we've got to take out of this is it's um it's a full house or as close to a full house as it can be tomorrow night. We're going into it in a very strong position. Um, If we look at the reports that are coming out today, it looks as if we're finally going to address one of the key positions in the transfer market. We're above them in the table. <laughs> we're getting into this it's time to start kind of looking at the positives we'll focus on it but also as you're quite rightly saying even when the, the, the positives are there we've still got to call out where things need to be called out but we're on the right path De- definitely I'm, I'm going to get positive about the team here uh, I'm really are going to get positive about the team here it's been it's been a good week since we last spoke last Wednesday there, there, there was a bit of like trepidation going to the Czech Republic last Thursday and we got a fantastic performance from the team. A fantastic forward going performance but uh, Sunday league defending uh, at points. What I thought thought about the game last week was we need better players to do what Ange wants us to do against better opposition. And it was brilliant on, on Sunday actually scalping a team 6 nothing with Charlie Haldon waddling about the park trying to think he's a big trying to think he's a big man. That was that was utterly great, but there's still areas of that team that you saw last week in the Czech Republic that you go, if we want to step up a level, there is areas that we need to uh, there is areas that we're going to need to strengthen. There is areas that we need better, more athletic, more mobile players in that side. Mm-hmm. And that didn't change what I saw on Sunday. Sunday was fantastic. I love Sunday. It was great. 
Absolutely brilliant. It was the best football I've watched in a wee while. The atmosphere was back in the stadium. Everybody seemed a togetherness. There seemed to be a bit of a, a handout of redemption for the fans. See, when Eddie went to take that penalty kick, and all the fans stood up and applauded him as if to go, this could be the last goal you score for Celtic, Eddie. Mm-hmm. We've got, they're going to thank you for what you've did. We'll forget last season because we need to forget it. And I just found there was a kindness within the Celtic support in the stadium. It obviously helps you being six nothing up and winning four two in Europe <laughs> two days before that. Um, but when Callum McGregor took the players into the into the huddle at the end as well, eh, it just felt like ah, it's time to move on. It is really time to move on. And I'm enjoying it, and I'll enjoy it tomorrow night, and I'll probably enjoy some of the defeats that's going to come our way because the way that Ange wants us to play. We are going to get some so faces. We are because at the moment we just haven't got the players to like consistently play the, the way that he wants us to play. Brian, what's your thoughts? Yeah. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think one of the, the obviously, we Kyogo is an absolute superhero. And already, what a way to make an impression for the young man. And I think, you look at like, I've been fairly positive about the performances this season, despite the fact we, we lost against Mitchell and Hearts. The reason being was because I felt as if the players were buying into Andrew's system. And I know there's arguments about systems and blah, 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 but that's kind of set now because we're starting to see that he's not going to change and, you know, it may be all the better for it. One of the things about that, though, was now I'm thinking, imagine we'd had Kyle go putting that level of energy and movement into the fourth line instead of Big Eddie, who was not putting in a lot of effort. Maybe those results have been different. In terms of defending... Hold on, hold on, do we need to clarify that uh, we're not being racist since Eddie wasn't putting in effort? <laughs> Just to clarify that, everybody. Um, but in terms of the defence, what a difference Stephen Welsh made when he came back into the team on Sunday. And I think he's a guy that doesn't get talked about enough because I think as much as Christy, Paolo, um, I think Turnbull was, was pretty good to put a few good balls in as well, but I think Welsh really settled down that backline, really talked staff out through the game as well at points. And I think it really helped. And I think he was a big difference going forward. And we talk about, you know, uh, Ralston. And I think 
as I said before, I think the criticism of him has been unfair because I think people have been sort of um, projecting onto him their frustrations at the transfer market. And I think that's why he's getting the grief he does. I think him and Greg Taylor are much of a muchness. But what they have been doing is I think they both showed their solid backup. But we do need two fullbacks, as you say, Kev. And I think we probably need another centre half in case of injury. But right now, I think centre half is Stephen Welsh's to lose. Like, I, I just think he, he looked really comfortable in there. He, he looked apart, and I think that's really important. And as you say, we're going to take a couple of uh, uh, slaps this season. There's no doubt about it. Um, I've been saying for a while, I think it's going to. I've not got a lot of expectations for this season um, because I think there's going to be inconsistency. I think for every 6 now you a random 2 now defeat. I think it's going to be a bit of part like that for at least the first few months. But it just shows that if he gets the players and he wants and he coaches the way he's been doing because the performances he's got at Alston and Taylor, guys who are not great, really, if we're honest, he's, made, he's making them better, which is what good coaches do. If he can continue to do that with the younger guys coming through, like my personal favourite, Big Dane Murray, um, keeping through with guys like Stephen Welsh, and play the football we've been playing. We've got a, a, a great, great future under us. And I said before, it's not about the next four days; it's in the next forty months. And I, I still stand by that. I think it's it's going to be a longer term project still. But I think once it gets up and running, and we keep going, once we become consistent, we're going to be terrifying domestically and in Europe. I'm so excited and so buzzing for the season. Even though we're going to get a couple of scalps along the way, we are going to get a couple of scalps along the way, and it doesn't matter what happened at the weekend there the three points that we got for me my target is to get to 90 points so we've got 87 points to go for it doesn't matter what other teams do do. I've set that target for ourselves and if we actually uh, hit those 90 points then there's a very good chance that we will win the league Colin what's your early thoughts on the post Coglu locomotion <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that Kev um... <laughs> No, so like, <laughs> wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be the first time? Um, no, like the, one of the most interesting things um, that I picked up from Sunday's game was the way that Kyogo played. Now, everyone kind of was looking at him saying, well, he's either going to play in the left or he's going to play through the middle. I was unsure after the performance away at Jablonek whether he was going to play through the middle or not. Um, I didn't know if he would have the physicality in the Scottish League, but what I did notice about him is how quick he is. He is super quick. The way he was closing the ball down, the way that he was getting in front of his man, the kind of touch to flick it away, um, it drew the fouls. And he got himself back up. He looked as if that nothing had phased him. Um, and we can't go on speaking about Kyogo without speaking about his wee video when he was given the, the Man of the Match award. He was the happiest man inside Celtic Park. He was superb. And it's very clear to see why he's fast becoming the fans' favourite. Um, and that's after, like, what, two games? One and a half games? So it's great to see. There was a, a big improvement in quite a few of the players um, on Sunday. Players who last season, um, and I'm going to point to one explicitly here, um, that improved the levels, and it's all because of the change of how Celtic's actually playing. Now, this time last year, um, Ryan Christie was asked what his role was in the team, and he explicitly said he's going to shoot because that's what Neil Lennon had told him to do. If he gets the opportunity, 
to create the to, to, if the opportunity is created for him and have a shot because he's got that ability. He was asked after the game on Sunday what had changed, and he says, "Well, looking at it, the manager said to me, create the opportunities in the final third, look to play the best option, basically." And his assists were outstanding. It took me back to um, when he played, was it in the San Siro against AC Milan earlier on in uh, last season? And he played that ball through into Edward. Mm-hmm. That was very similar to his assist for Kyogo's third goal. And it's all about creating the best opportunity. If you ever listen back to um, interviews with the likes of Chris Sutton and John Hartson when they're talking about Henrik Larsson, never mind the amount of goals that he scored. He always said he looked for who was in the best position. If it was him, he would take the shot. If it wasn't him, he'd lay it off to whoever was there for him. And that's the way Celtic need to be. It's totally different to last season. The amount of times you'd see a guy 25, 30 yards out, whether it be Christy or Turnbull, and they look at it, and if nobody was marking them, they'd just fire a shot in. Instead of actually maybe seeing the better chance to the left or to the right of them. Our decision-making last year was shocking. That seemed to have changed on Sunday, and I hope that is the case. Looking at the stats, the XG, or the expected goals, as Boys Analytic on Twitter lets us know, I know you're not for this, Kevin. No, I'm not for this, no, no. Was, uh, was 6.6, <laughs> which means that we were actually, it wasn't as if it was a fluke that we scored six goals. We actually deserved to score six and perhaps even more. If you can keep that consistency going throughout the season, then it'll be a very entertaining side to watch. And as you said, at the end of the game, getting everybody in the huddle, as soon as that had happened, I messaged you two in the chat and I says, look, that is a team that's working for each other. That is something that we had never saw last year. We saw a team where players wanted to leave. They, they were starting to come together and we need that togetherness to see us through. Okay, we've not got the players that we need in yet. We probably still need four or five key players but if you can get the best out of players who aren't good enough, as you're just saying, Brian, then what can you get out of the guys that are going to be good enough? And that's the togetherness we need if we want to push for them 90 points, Kevin. Oh, definitely. Brown Warrior, eh, the huddle and the, the, the applause for Eddie, I think, sums this up. The new players will finally realise what Celtic is all about with the fans back. And we all mocked that when the players started saying, oh, we're missing the fans, we're missing the fans. But then... There's a wee bit of revisionism on our part. We knew that we've been back in the stadium and seen it. We went well. Maybe they did have a. Maybe they did have an actual point. But my daughter was there and she she was absolutely over the moon with we Kyago mainly because his boots suited the socks and he didn't make a fashion faux pas like uh, Tom Rogic. And she just says to me, she went, "You better mention that players when they wear the white socks shouldn't they wear black boots because it doesn't go." And that should be a that should be an etiquette in a club that <laughs> they should only wear boots that go with white socks. So I've says it. So what, what, what should we take me playing sevens, Kevin? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dan Smith. Welsh has no pace. Taylor is murder. Kelly is his level. Ralston is in no way, shape, or form a Celtic player. I bet he's good fun at parties. Is damn me. <laughs> eh? uh, well, what would you think of that? I mean, I'm talking about we do need better players all over the pitch, and I'm talking all over the pitch. I'm talking like there was an there's an interesting debate that we'll have after this about Ryan Christie, but I'm talking about over the I'm I'm looking at the European level, and if we want to compete at a European level, we need better players all over the pitch. Aye, and, aye. I mean, but but 
I'm going to enjoy watching Welsh Taylor, and at the moment, Anthony Ralston's having a sort of a, a purple patch. I mean, the goal that he scored on against Hearts and the goal that he scored on Sunday there, I was sitting up the other end, and my middle-aged eyes are not the best. I actually thought it was Ryan Christie that done the keepy up and volleyed it into the so back of it. And when, when, he, when, when the announcer says it was Anthony Ralston, I was like, what? <laughs> that was Anthony Ralston. We're going, we're going to need to give these guys at our support, knowing full well that they've got flaws. Eh, Brian? Absolutely. And come on, Darren, don't be a fun sponge. We're, we're all being positive today. Come on, mate. Um, look, I get his point, though. I, and, and I think it's the point we've made. I don't think, you know, um, Taylor and Ralston, Hitler, Welsh, I disagree with, but I don't think um, <clears throat> Taylor and Ralston are, are what we would describe as European standard players that are going to win his loads. But what they are is they're, 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 they're good players, and I think in sense, they're an example of possible was coaching. Like the fact that they've come on, in, I don't think they've made many mistakes. They've just not been excellent. And considering you know how hard it must be to play that system, how quickly they've adapted, I think you need to give them credit. And the fact is, you know, everyone's saying they're probably going to be back up. We need two new players in their positions, but. I'm not going to be, be, be disrespectful and say that they're, they're murder or this or that because I don't believe it. Uh, I don't think they're the world's greatest full-back pairing, but they're certainly not the worst. And I tell you what, Big Ralston's the way he took his goals. Maybe he's playing in the wrong position. Maybe he's... Uh, You're still in my part, Brian. I'm telling you. Maybe he's a, thing, maybe he's a dropper. Dropper was a right-back and then became a striker. And, you know what Maybe we should say, Jack, maybe Ralston's a new dropper. Here we go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a headline written over it. So right, yeah. on this it's football tomorrow. Yeah, I think you're right, comedies guys. We know we know there's, there's things in the squad we need to work on. We know that, but the fact is, you know, I don't think either of them have been embarrassed. I don't think I thought Welsh really can the back line. Yeah, we're going to look for other players to either replace them or compete with them. But the boys are doing well. The, the coaching's coming along. You can see that, and that in itself is really positive. And it just shows that it's Colin said earlier. I think. If we get top players in, you know, he's, he's, he's basically making average players good, good players great, great players excellent. And I think that's what good coaches do. Was that well Brendan Rogers done that, eh? Brendan Rogers mm-hmm. took certain players up um, up a level. I do think uh, football fans especially, didn't they? The, the, the stoke philosopher, I can't remember his name. He says that we all want progress and we never enjoy the process. And I think that's where Celtic fans are at the moment. I think we should just enjoy this process wherever it leads, uh, because already it is going to be it is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And you look at Ralston. Ralston was almost playing in a centre midfield role, and it was interesting actually being in the stadium to see that because I've seen the, the clips on Twitter and all that, and I still didn't get where like the inverted fullbacks and all of that, but. When you see it in a stadium, when you're actually on the pitch, I go, all right, now I get what it is. Maybe I'm just, like, dumb or whatever. eh? But to actually see Turnbull overloading the left-hand side against Dundee all the time and Ralston basically playing on the right-hand side of midfield, it was really interesting for me to watch. And no one of the Dundee players could handle it, Colin. No. I mean, (laughs) you mentioned... uh... Charlie Adam, oh man, that was that was a, a sore watch for any Dundee fans. I mean, you look at them; they were they were very very poor for the first six months last year, and it was the second half of their season that got them into the playoff places. 
the guy that I, I do the Scottish football show with on a Friday, Sean McGill, he's a massive Kilmarnock fan. And I text him after the game. I says, how did this Dundee team knock you down to the championship? Because they were absolutely shocking. Um, it took me until he got subbed to realise that it was XL Kelly and Sheridan playing for them up front because I don't think he got a touch of the ball. Uh, oh, it, look, so the, the only kind of takeaway if you're a Dundee fan that was positive was the goalkeeper. I thought their goalkeeper actually done fairly well despite the fact they picked the ball out of the net six times. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought he had a, a fairly decent game. And if that's the kind of standard of the teams that we're going to come up against in Scotland, then we're going to see Celtic score 6-7 on a regular basis. What we've got to look at now is the game on Sunday. The game on Sunday against Hearts, this is a team that we've played before. This is a team that think they've got our number at the minute. We have to go out there and show improvement from the game at Tynecastle. And if you knock six or seven past them, then that's the level that you're sitting at. You don't want... I mean, I'm not saying we're going to knock six or seven past them. Even a comfortable four, five, even three, nothing win shows progress. But if you if you start knocking kind of high numbers past these teams, that's when I'm starting to say this is going to be an exciting team to watch. The, the thing is, Colin, there is an argument can be made that Hearts are the form team in Scotland. I think there's seven games, seven wins on the, on the spin if you include the League Cup group section as well. So we're 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 and. We were welcoming the form side in Scotland to Celtic Park for a cup mm-hmm. tie, and after they they beat us, but we dominated at Tynecastle. And there's a when you, when you look back at the games where we haven't had decent results, there's always been moments you go if that goes in it changes, if that decision's given the mm-hmm. game changes, and the last two games against Yablonek and Dundee. Everything we've touched has went right, obviously, apart apart, apart from the defensive faux pas of near beat on uh, and Anthony Ralston, funnily enough. But we've got to go out tomorrow night and make sure we're in the next round because we've mm-hmm. got a real tough test if we get through tomorrow night against AZ Al- Altmar in the next round. That is a massive step up when you're looking at what uh, PSV are doing to Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I mean, PSG, PSV could take another three or four off in, the, in that return leg tonight. So that it was last up. night, mate. Was it last night? All right. Uh, they won one now. They won one now. Right, they might. Paul, can you edit that out? <laughs> hey, Roddy McDonald comes in. Kev, did you watch the game last night? No, that just proves I didn't watch the PSV game last night. That just proves I didn't watch the PSV. I didn't even ken they were playing. Uh, Kev, uh, Kev, that one wasn't on, but there was another game on. And I oh, think some Swedish team knocked out some Scottish team. So bad for the coefficient, but uh, delayed for Malmo. Me and Boyce were on Scream Acelica, so I didn't watch any football last night. Um, so, I whatever, where was I? I've completely lost my train of thought there. <laughs> uh, right. We Kyogo scores a hat-trick. Man of the match. For me, Ryan Christie was man of the match <laughs> on Sunday. So this brings right away, straight after Ryan Christie has a great performance, everybody's gone, give him a blank check, let him, give him the deal that he wants, get him signed for another two and a half years. What do you think, Brian? What do you think about the Ryan Christie scenario that we've got just now? Because he's into his last six months of the, uh, the, the contract. I, well, I mean, I think the, the interesting thing with Christie, because I was... 
not a fan last year. But I was a fan previously, but I thought last year he was awful and I thought his attitude sunk, to be honest. But that's kind of indicative of the whole team last year. I think, you know, it could be the case that we, we heard all these rumours that it's such a toxic environment in the dressing room, the players were only happy and stuff, and maybe that's why he's been keen to move. Um, but the reality is, whether he's keen to move or not, if we, on that form, he's undroppable. So what you would rather is, instead of playing him to Christmas and letting him go, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, unless uh, that's good, you believe. Unless it's, <clears throat> we're going to let him go in January, I think you'd be wanting time to at least, even if he still wants to leave, just try and get my two-year deal and then sell him for actually a few quid. I suppose let him go for free. But I tell you what, he is Eddie. Eddie should be looking at Ryan Christie the new because the way Christie's performing under Postecoglou, he's shown the the, the the player we know the right attitude. He looked up for it. He was delighted when other people were scoring. It wasn't just all about him. And um, if that's the player that's wanting to leave and he's putting himself in a short window, you know we, we can say goodbye in good terms actually, as opposed to wanting rid of him. And I think that's key. But personally, I would give him a contract. Um, but either way, as long as he's playing well, training well, and he's got that attitude, he can't drop him. He was excellent the other day. Excellent. Mm-hmm. My, my take on Ryan Christie is this. If he wants to leave, let him go, because there is a bigger picture here. And he's been part of the teams that failed against Ferrans Varosh, failed against Mitchon, failed against Copenhagen. If he, if he believes that he's worth 50 grand a week down in England, then we let them go and we go to players that can let us do it. And at this qualifying level, we need players that can consistently get us through this qualifying level. And for me, Ryan Christie, and a number of players in that team haven't done it. And if we want to play Ange ball, we need better players. In. And Ryan would go with, my, would go with my utter blessing if he wants to leave within, before the end of this window. Colin, what do you feel? It is probably going to come as a surprise to people that were watching this last season, but um, I, I would give him a new deal. Uh, and there's kind of two uh, kind of two pronged as to why you give him a new deal. Firstly, he's on form at the minute. Um, and I, I'm, I'd never say that he's one of the best players in the league or one of the best players at the club. But when he's on form, he's a very, very good player. Um, I mean, you take a look at it, he was very close to leaving the club when... Uh, Brendan Rodgers was here he was close to going to Aberdeen permanently but this, when he's on form and the kind of rebuild that we're in at the minute he's worth being there so that even if you bring in a better player than him it's a great option to come off the bench to have someone like Ryan Christie the second, he's a player as well isn't he he can play like even he can drop down and replace Tumble he can drop back yeah. in midfield he can switch yeah. forwards so again you're right Colin with the rebuild Versatile players are, are even more. Right. Key, aren't they? The, the second reason I would give him the deal is to add that time onto his contract so that if it does get to, say, January or next summer and he decides, look, I stuck around for a year, I've had my time, I'm going to move on, you're actually going to get a decent fee for him because he'd still have 18 months left on his deal. And you've saw what you can get for players that have only got 12 months on their deal with the likes of um, Aya and the money that we've been talking about for Edward. So, in a business sense, it makes sense to offer him that deal. Give him a year. Look, if he wants to move on after a year, fair enough. Uh, but if he moves on to now, basically right now he could go and sign for somebody for nothing. He could go and sign a, a pre contract and you don't really want players to be moving on in that aspect, especially if he's going to sign a pre contract and still be here for six months. It's just a wasted jersey. 
if he signs a pre-contract, you would hope that the club would get him out the door, come to a deal with a club that he's meant to be going to and, and, and get him out the door. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be against him signing a new contract, but I do know if we want to improve on a European stage, I, I don't fear losing Ryan Christie. I don't fear losing Ryan Christie. I've got to trust the way that our managers implement and that he'll get a player that suits his system, suits the way that he wants to play. And yeah. I, I must have, I thought Christie was superb on Sunday, absolutely magnificent. And of course you walk out and you want your good players to stay, but some players have just got a shelf life. Some players have achieved all the ball with your football club and we've got to embrace that business side even though how much we hate it. And I think Ryan Christie's got to that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, on a business side, you don't want to see him leaving for nothing, but we've allowed that to happen. The, the ball's in the player's court and if he leaves for nothing at the end of this window in January, he goes with my best wishes. Uh, now, some people are coming in the comments uh, talking about AZ Altmar. Scott Howe, AZ Altmar are a good team, but we shouldn't fear them. I, ho- I hope we get through them all night because we seem to be counting our chickens here a wee, wee bit. <laughs> and Will McMullen comes in and says, AZ aren't PSV class, they are the Dutch hubs. I don't know if that's a compliment or not regarding, <laughs> uh, regarding AZ. Uh, Finn Fogel, oh, I've just brought up the wrong man because that jumped. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> See, the comments go very, very quick, lads. Uh, Kev, players who can compete at a European level aren't come to the Scottish League. They can play in much better leagues. Right, I'm going to chuck this question out to the trees. Would they come to Celtic with a manager that's going to develop them? Brian? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you saw that in the past. What you need to understand is there's so many good players out there that don't have a platform. So, you know, if you're going to Celtic, yeah, it's in the Scottish League, but you've still got a huge exposure. It's, it's a massively supported club, as we all know. So if you're a player, and you, maybe you're playing, like the boy would like to play, that's playing in Belgium just now, you can maybe play in Belgium and never, nobody ever watches that league or watches that team. But you can guarantee there'll be eyes on if he, if he goes to Celtic. So absolutely, people will come here. Um, and again, it depends on the type of person that, that's coming. One of the things I like best about Ange is, he keeps talking about when he's bringing a player in. It's so important that they're the right type of person, the right type of human. Not just the right type of player, the right type of person he wants to the club, the culture he wants to foster. Um, and if you're a player and you're in that type of environment and you get on with everybody and it's a good atmosphere and you're training well and you're developed, of course you're going to come there and you're in the shop window. So if you're young and you're ambitious and you want to play at a really high level, of course you come to Celtic. If maybe you, maybe like James McCarthy or Joe Hart, who have been about the place, maybe they want to come there to actually win stuff, experience that atmosphere. So they've always been attracted from position Celtic Football Club in. The fact we're in the Scottish League, A, isn't as bad a league as people make out either, by the way, but it's not about the league, it's about the club, in, and I think that's what attracts players. I think a lot of it comes down to exposure, Kevin, uh, mm-hmm. as what Brian's saying. It might not be the fact that they're maybe playing against their best opposition week in or week out, but it's the exposure that they can get from playing here. Um, you look at the, the likes of the, the moves that Celtic players have made over the last kind of five years or so down to the English Premier League. If these players, and most of them do want to play there because that's where, apart from if you're Messi and you sign for PSG, then that's where the money is at the moment, is it's in the English League. So guys like Abada, who's came over here, he might not be here in four or five years' time. He might have made that move down to the Premier League. 
Furuhashi as well. Maybe he's only here for two or three years, and then he gets that big move down south. The, the guys that you're looking at, I mean, the, the right back that we've been linked with today um, from, from Legia, I say it's 25 26. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, when you look at the clips of him, he's the, is the number two Croatian left back or right back. Um, he played at the Euros, and he still couldn't get that move because the exposure's not there in the Polish football. When he comes to Scotland, if he comes to Scotland, and he's a decent player, within 12, 18 months, there'll be links of him going to X, Y, and Z. So I can see why people find Scottish football attractive to come and join. It might take a bit of convincing because the, the wages aren't up there as what you could get if they move to a Belgian team or they move to a Dutch team. But they've always got that potential to be exposed to a wider market. Definitely. I actually wrote down a comment uh, from the 27th of July by Peter Cunningham came in once the broadcast had finished and he says players with ambition will want to play for Postacoglu and I thought that was a really a really good point that he made and I didn't have time to bring it up on, on the 28th and I think Strange Love the Doctor like puts me on that comment. If Ange can improve Ralston to this extent and recover Christie's mojo again, who's to say he can't do the same for someone else he might sign? And I think what you says, Brian, was de- what was quite right. Young players will want to come and play for them. And as Peter rightly says on the 28th of July, players with ambition will want to come and play for them. Once they realise that this guy is... Uh, is the real deal. He might prove himself to be the real deal. This is, this is going to take months. We're not maybe talking this transfer window, we're maybe talking the next transfer window and the one after that. But once they realise if Poster Coglu proves himself to be the real deal, that young talent that we attracted, like Edward and Dembele, will come back onto our radar. And we will also attract talent from the Asian markets as well that mm-hmm. we don't know about. You look at uh, Kyogo, I said right away after he scores the first goal, do you think there's a right back in the Japanese league that could do, has got the same attributes that, that could do a job for us? We, 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 have to, we have to believe that's going to happen, Brian, eh? Absolutely, and I think as well, if you look at how the, the things that Postacoglu has said as well, he's talking about the conditioning, he's talking about how fit he wants people to be, he's talking about, you know, that, that real athletic strong, as well as one touch football, passing, moving. They are the, the that's the way every modern footballer wants to play. That's the way all your the sort of top teams play. They play that that sort of system, that sort of mindset. So if you're you know, and it's this is where it changes season to season, because if you looked at Celtic last season, they the you know, sort of confused, visionless presence in the park, no real knew what was going on. People wouldn't want to come to train and play under that. You know, they're gonna get overweight and eat iron brew instead of the 24 hour athlete, whereas under Ange, you can see a massive difference. You can see those quick passes and stuff. And Strange Love the Doctor, or how I learned to fall back in love with Celtic, is um, he made a brilliant point because if we can do that with Alston and the Christie's in the world, then imagine the players. I mean, look at I, I think uh, Abada is going to be a, an exceptional player for us. I think you know, he, he's still young, he's still raw, but such ability there and such confidence. And you know, he's going to thrive under Ange, I think. I think. I know Turnbull's no great, but I thought he was a lot better on Sunday. I thought, you know, he didn't do quite as much running. He was maybe sitting a little deeper and letting McGregor do a bit more of the work. So I think once they find their feet and improve, 
You're right, he's such an attractive proposition to fair there, big fella. Plus he looks like a good laugh as well and we all like that. So he's definitely got the measure of the press here as well. We've got a couple of minutes left and we've got a European game tomorrow night. I think Colin's frozen actually, so I'll go to Brian first. Uh, Brian, what do you expect to see tomorrow night? Do you expect many changes uh, from the team? The only, I mean, in theory, you wouldn't be changing it because it's a winning team, but I think you may see Roger dropping out and he may just put Sorrow back in just for to give that extra bit of energy just in case. Um, But, you know, I think defensive lapses aside, we're really comfortable against them. Um, I think it'll be the same tomorrow. Um, not getting too cocky about it, but I think if he sticks with the same team, say maybe swaps out Roderick, maybe. Um, but I think we'll be, we'll be pretty dominant, and I think the, the the players are going to be ten feet tall when they've got Parkhead singing behind them, all in unison, all support the team. And if we can keep this this good feeling going for the, the Dundee game, let's say we get through tomorrow night with Parkhead roaring, it's such a good time to be, to be back in a Celtic fan again, and long may it continue. Colin, what do you expect tomorrow night? I expect a totally different game to last Thursday. I expect us to be very dominant on the ball um, and for us to create a lot of chances. Um, what I have been impressed with so far is it's got to a stage where Kyogo's managed to score four goals in two games and still miss three sitters. Do you know what I mean? That, that's just that's what's happening. It's not getting to a stage where, where uh, <laughs> we're missing sitters and then regretting it. So uh, I, I think we would go out there, we keep the momentum going from Sunday. After 60 minutes, if the ties can put to bed, then you bring on some stuff, change it up, keep it fresh for the weekend. It's all about getting the minutes and the legs. So uh, I expect maybe a three or four of them today tomorrow. Well, I think we're all quite confident for tomorrow night. Crypto comes in and he goes, hi, what are you all doing here? There's 1,400 people asking the exact same thing, Crypto, what they're doing here on a Wednesday lunchtime listening to me. On that point, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope, hope to see you tomorrow night. If I can get a stream, I'll do the, I'll do the post-match. Uh, so remember, today, be kind to each other and just kill everybody with kindness. Thanks very much. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today.
When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.